All right, welcome back into the Rev Hour 2. Josh, tell the people where you're at today and what's going on in Kansas. I'm hanging out with the official mascot. Duke is uh, he's in the house. We're at Cabin's Group, the disaster response team that you need if you have uh, a water emergency, fire, mold, whatever it may be. If you want to make sure that, which you should, your living space is mold-free, mold testing, they've got that, 405 405- Five seven three thirty forty eight Cavens Group, where we're hanging out today. Um, well, I don't have anything cool like what's going on at Cavens. I'm just getting to chill right here at OU for our final coaches' corner of the year. Um, it, it, there's so many good things in the text line. Do you just want to roll through some of these? You good with that? A- absolutely. Let's talk to the people. Let's talk to the people. Um, one quick little side note: uh, Connor Paspies back in the Buffalo Wild Wing Studios today. He'll take your calls in the Riverwind Casino jackpot line, 405-329-9000. But kudos, Josh, to both you and Connor. An incredible season for both Norman and Norman North. Came to an end this weekend. Uh, KRefSports.tv. Do we have anyone still alive, Connor, or do we lose everyone? We have two. We got Bigsby, Bigsby and Deer Creek. Oh, look at us. Deer Creek onto the semis. Yeah, 6A2. If you guys happen to catch the 2A bracket, Brad Beller is Coach K's Washington Warriors. Still alive, baby. Rolling along, looking for a, a double double championship dip. Back-to-back. Hadn't won a title in uh, since, gosh, what, Coach? The 90s, early, right? Yeah, the early 90s, and now you got a shot to go back-to-back. Probably could have been three straight, Yeah, to be honest with you. But I, I'm not going to get over my skis. Josh, we're about going 1-0 this week in Warrior Country. And... Uh, if and when next week we'll get we'll get Coach back on, we'll get Coach Beller back on. I love talking football with him, so he makes me feel like I'm smart. So uh, we'll see if we can't get Coach on next week. But the Warriors survived. Deer Creek and Bixby still alive. But guy Josh, kudos to you. Like I was telling Connor during the break, I listen a lot. I love high school football. It's where I started. Um, my <laughs> I was hoping my son would play high school football. Never really materialized. But that's fine. I think he's doing okay. But I love watching it. I love Friday Night Lights. And, man, it's one of the coolest things about sports radio in Oklahoma. Stations are committed to it. And I've been around it since I started in radio in 97. And when I say that yeah, no one's been more committed and has done it better than what KRF has done, that's that's I'm not blowing smoke. It's just the massive amount of resources that we have committed to it, the job that Connor and Perry Spencer do in putting it together. Uh, fun year, man. But it's not uh, – there's – what's it? We we ain't finished. We still got Bixby and, and Deer Creek. So, kudos, guys. Kudos. All right. Um, Mark from Edmond. Uh, I'm sorry, Mark. Every time you text in for some reason, I see E and I say Edmond. Mark from Enid. He writes, you mentioned how good we are when it's five yards or less on defense. My take on it. It stops these huge cushions we are giving wide receivers, and it takes away the medium and long ball. There are way too many receivers by themselves, and I don't know why. BYU was no exception this weekend. I'm happy for the win, but I wish we could shore this up. Yeah, I. You know what, Mark from Enid? That's a really good question. Let's let let me just diagnose it from what I I've noticed. There's also another player who hasn't played in the last two games and got hurt against Oklahoma State. 
who's a pretty major part of this team. That's Gentry Williams. And I guess now, let's see, actually it'll be the last three games now. He didn't step on the field at BYU. He didn't step on the field against West Virginia. And he got hurt against Oklahoma State. So, and here's the weird thing, Josh, is he's been dressed out, and I watch him like crazy. right? I sit there and, I mean, that's my job is to figure out who looks good, Injury-wise, what are we seeing? Not to guess, right, not to make stuff up, but to try to give you what I'm seeing with thine eyes. And I see a guy that, like, looks good in everything he's going through. So whatever he's dealing with, I I assume it's shoulders, something upper body, because he always looks really good in warm-ups. And I'm like, hey, he looks like he's going to play. And then he's got the cleanest jersey in the group whenever the game is over because he's not out there. So I, I can't help but wonder, Mark, from Eden and Josh, I don't know what you think, but outside of Woody Washington, Dolby moving to Cheetah, I feel like it's been kind of a, oh, what's the best way to put it, a merry-go-round over there. And injuries have been a major part. Makari Vickers got hurt, wasn't on the trip this weekend, had an ankle issue. Kenai Walker got hurt and then, I mean, let's, has had some lapses, has had some plays where – it's been a struggle for Kenai Walker. Uh, Josiah Wagner looks like the future, but again, he hasn't had a lot of time because of injuries, right? So uh, you throw in an injury to, you know, Gentry Williams. I just mentioned, you know, four guys right there, and unfortunately, they just haven't had they haven't had a guy stay healthy on that side of the football. That's been one of the biggest concerns for Oklahoma is. Gentry Williams, Bowen, I mean, there's a number of other guys we could point to that haven't, yeah, been able to be available. But obviously, Gentry Williams being the, the, the largest of those names that haven't been able to stay healthy. And I would entertain Peyton Bowen for earlier this season in that regard, too. Sure. I, I, I hear all the time from fans, and, and I'd, I'd like to hear Teddy talk about this, but uh, one of the complaints that I hear from people a lot is, and I don't, I don't feel totally qualified to <laughs> evaluate this, but I do hear a lot, hey, Oklahoma's not a good zone defensive team. Why do they keep playing zone? Why don't they run more man? And I guess I don't really have a good answer for that, but I'd love to hear Teddy's thought on it. Good. Uh, yeah, there you go. We're loading up questions, Taylor. Uh, Taylor, who's Taylor? Tyler for the, uh, for the rush today. So I don't know. Remember, what was the big complaint last year? Why are we playing three-man fronts? Shouldn't be playing three-man fronts. We're getting smoked. We got to get after the quarterback. Oklahoma got its first sack. The 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 strip fumble by Danny Stutzman. Do you know that was the first sack for Oklahoma since Peyton Bowen sack against UCF in the fourth quarter? That's not very good. Uh, not very good at all. But hey, well-timed sack. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? It really was. Look at – I'm proud of you today, Vinny Paul. Look at Vinny Paul. He writes, I thought Saturday's performance was good. Was it perfect? No. Did the linebackers suck? Yep. But there was obvious growth from every single player and every coach. Vinny Paul, I like it. He also added – I think the reason they're so good in short yardage is because they constantly practice it in the offseason. Going back to 2022 and the 27 straight days of inside drill, 
continuing that standard this offseason. That's a pretty fair point. Um, gosh, 5808 is absolutely on fire today. All right, here's a couple. <laughs> uh, bright spot, obviously Jackson Arnold. From being in a mindset that he won't take another snap this season to having to play on the road in a tight game for the whole second half, way to go. You know, in my uh, in my five takeaways, that's no, that's number five for me. It's just – and I talked about this with him in the post game. Uh, we'll play it tomorrow. But what was our big talk last week? Oh, they're redshirting him. Well, I guess Davis Bevel is the backup. But Brent Venables was kind of coy about answering that and still made it clear he's our backup quarterback. So a situation arises on the road, let the kid play. I asked him how he felt. You want to know what his first answer was? I'm like, Jackson, how you feel right now? What's what's this what's this like? He goes, I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> that emotionally probably it was a lot. And five eight oh Nate is right. It uh it took it took a good bit, right, to yeah. summon up and handle that on the road. And really, you know, as you evaluate it, I thought to me the first couple of drives, clearly he was wide-eyed, and the offense was a little shell-shocked that this was the situation that now had been presented in front of them to start the second half. First two drives obviously didn't go great, and yet, uh, you know, I, I thought, again, maybe it was a mistake the week before to not have played him against West Virginia. Easy to say that when, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, and all of a sudden you got this situation. But after that, basically he gets hung out to dry, and we've had a couple of people text this in, the, the kicking game. I don't know how you can miss that field goal. I know the laces weren't uh, pointed in the proper direction, laces out, and they were laces in. You can't miss that chip shot field goal. So that's one scoring drive that uh, Arnold orchestrates. Then, uh, obviously, he gets the short field. They're able to punch it in, uh, had a big run to set up the play right before uh, an incredible individual effort from Sawchuck, and then ice the game with uh, a big-time throw in that late drive. So the – I evaluate it like this. A little shell-shocked early, first couple of drives it looked like to me, and then three pretty good drives for yeah. Jackson Arnold. I'll, I'll tell you what really stood out to me. Not necessarily Jackson-related, but team-related. We're really going to miss Drake Stoops. I, I just I can't stress it enough. And, you know, there's about – three throws that Jackson Arnold's going to want back. The Nick Anderson throw, obviously, that would have been something. If he hit that, and he – and he, <laughs> I'm sure there was some of you that were like, see, that's how you overthrow a receiver after watching so many underthrows this year. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, but there's, there's one – he missed Drake Stoops on a play when Drake was wide open. And I uh, – I watched Drake come over and wasn't mean, wasn't angry, wasn't, you know, how some receivers can be. Came over and hyped him up. Might sound corny. But he's like, listen, man, don't be afraid to pull the trigger on that. You know, I, I, I'm paraphrasing here. I'm not going Chris at Thompson, but I'm paraphrasing. And, and he's, yeah, smile. He's like, you're, you're, we're okay. We got this. And Teddy, Teddy made the joke on the broadcast. He's like, well, I'm sure a lot of people are going to be coming up and talking to him. And he wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong. But that just – you have been at the hip of Dylan Gabriel all year long. 
Think how you want about Dylan Gabriel, okay? Feel how you want about Dylan Gabriel. It's fine. I'm not here to change your opinion. But know this. Jackson Arnold was a sponge and has been a sponge of DG. And DG has been a guy that's there sharing every moment, you know, they, when they want to talk, when they, when there's something that he asks. Everything, dude. It's incredible. Tanner Schaefer is right there, too. And you get your opportunity, and that dude's not there, right? And you have to prepare for it because, obviously, if Jackson Arnold was going to get that opportunity, Dylan Gabriel probably is going to have something pretty serious happen. I just thought the way that he handled it was well. Uh, it w- w- was really solid. And I thought the way that his teammates, Josh, handled it was even better. You, you didn't see frustration. You didn't see helmet slams. You didn't see anger. You saw, all right, we get the situation we're in. Let's make sure he's in the right mindset. The defense did the same thing. Hey, this hasn't been good. This this first half hasn't been good. That third quarter hasn't been good. The the ninety nine yard intercept or hundred yard interception return for a touchdown was lipstick on a pig, baby, for that drive defensively. Some nice lipstick though. It was a heck heck of a shade, wasn't it? <laughs> but I'm just I was really I was kind of in my feels a little bit because I'm like, dang, we're going to miss that guy whenever Drake came over and talked to him. But then I also, in my mind, was like, that's good for the future of this team. I'll tell you what, the kids showed no fear, right? The kids showed no fear. Now, again, not like an audible in that situation, but to check to the, 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 the pass play and to hear Brent Venables say post games like, hey, we learned. We learned. And Vinny Paul, I think that's what you're referring to as well. We can argue whether or not you should be learning on the job at a place like Oklahoma. Don't care. I don't care. This coaching staff got better Saturday. And I think, Josh, when we look ahead, I hope that when we look ahead, you know, two to three years from now, we'll look back and say, yeah, that was a moment, man. That was a moment. And that kid, he, he grew from that and became something special like we thought he could be. Well, and it would have been so easy for the coaching staff in that situation to take a similar path and approach as they did in Lawrence because, look, you got a backup quarterback, uh, you're, you're nursing a lead, and <laughs> who knows, maybe you break it on third down and eight, right, And uh, w- with the ground game. But they chose to put it in his hands, and uh, obviously great audible, great throw, and in terrific individual play by Farouk as well to, to get to the sticks and to go win the game. So if we're going to criticize the coaching staff when they're conservative, I've always been, uh, I've always been, hey, let's be fair about it, right? They, they played to win this game. They coached to win this game, and they were rewarded for doing so. Suter Steve in Tulsa writes, watching Texas play Iowa State, how did OU win against that Texas front? <laughs> it was a different OU team. <laughs> Dude, cotton ball up front. I, I, I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase this. And Broken Arrow Fat Boy, I got your text. It's a good one. I'm going to read it. Hold on, bud. A friend of mine had said, when they came out of that locker room against Texas, they wanted to rip someone's head off. Right? It was just that everyone was dialed in. And – it had nothing to do with the pregame speech. It had everything to do with where that team was, just mentally and what their focus was. And they said, I don't know if I saw that. Lawrence kind of saw it against Oklahoma State. Felt like I saw it today. So, again, you go boom, 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 those three examples. 
that person's point was what I saw. And it's just, you know, it's just a friend that watches a lot of football. It's like when they came out of the locker room against Texas, you saw like a different edge. And, and maybe that's something they need to uh, they need to rediscover. Uh, from the the Broken Arrow Fat Boy, hot take. If DG doesn't get hurt, OU loses. Not because of Dylan Gabriel, but because Lebby's play calling is pure trash. The offense would not have leaned on the run if DG was healthy. Worst running defense in the Big 12. Bottom Tim in the country. And Lebby wants to throw the ball all over the bleeping field. Let's talk about that next. Spoiler alert. I got Lebby's back on this. But as bad as BYU was running the football, bro, they had sold out to stop the run in the first half. We'll talk about it next. Josh is at Cavens. I'm here at OU. It is a Monday, Victory Monday edition of the Plank Show right here on The Ref. So I want to read the first three tweets, or text, excuse me, that came in right after the Broken Arrow Fat Boys text. Dink in Florida writes, let me call it a great game Saturday. The offense scored on three of four possessions in the first half. They didn't have the ball enough. People need to enjoy the ride and quit freaking out over over uh quit freaking out and expect instant perfection. The team is on the right path. You you agree with that? I don't think he called a bad game at all. No. And and I thought at times Oklahoma just couldn't execute and uh, obviously the second half you get dealt the hand of a backup quarterback that uh is very green around the gills. Sure. So it's going to take a couple of drives to get going, and it did. Smiley from the 5-8-0. Missed field goal. Overthrow for a TD and a fake punt for a chunk play called back. That's why the game was so close also. Dude, how about that play? How about that fake punt? Oh, oh man. And, and now the Sooners were arguing. I, uh, Coach Stoops was in the booth with us. So, Bob, I, I think Coach Stoops even said, yeah, it's, that's pass interference. The Sooners were trying to sell that the BYU guy had grabbed Nick and held on to him so he couldn't get away on the holding call. But, man, what a play. And what a time to break it out. Was that the first fake punt of the Brent Venables era? I think so, yeah, unless I'm, I'm forgetting one. But, yeah, I think yeah what is. a dart from Elzinga. To uh to downs there and it was everything was executed Dude. perfectly, except for the uh, well the rub route portion of it is yeah. you put the onus I, I don't know if that was totally by design and probably will never get the outside of the the folks in in those sooner walls would know if that's kind of how it's designed is hey let's see if they throw the flag or not maybe it was a little too overzealous by Nick Anderson i i, I do think the call was the right call yeah yeah i mean they got uh, it right but it's just it's frustrating right the rest of it was executed perfect awesome. i've watched elzinga throw just you know whenever they're uh they're warming up or things of that nature and uh, there's been a few times where it's like whoa who where did that throw come from there's one of the equipment guys okay one of the students and there's Elzinga, who have absolute cannons. <laughs> and you saw some of that. And, and then one more here, just responding to B.A. Fat Boy. Mark Fermented. Not today. Uh, guys, 
We had a lot of missed chances or drop balls from medium and long balls. Levy did fine. You know, I I feel like we have the royal we. I feel like we all kind of have our hot takes and our our opinions, and there's nothing that I can do or say to change them as much as I try. Guy, Jeff Levy called a hell of a game Saturday. That's my hot take. You you add in a you add in a freshman quarterback. That how many reps does he probably get during the week? I mean, what do you, what do you get? Twenty hours of practice or twenty just twenty hours of time? Period. Right. I think that's all you get during the week. Um. So yeah, it might be less than that, and you got to give him a day off too. So, I think that twenty hours also includes the game. I don't. I have to double check with my compliance people. But yeah, you know he doesn't get a lot of reps, so he, I, I I thought we countered what we listen to me, Oklahoma countered Josh what BYU did defensively, and had some success, and then in the second half, by God they just committed that they're going to run the football. I. I they didn't do quarter-by-quarter quarter breakdowns, and I'm going to get to the phones here at 405-329-9000. But in every, everyone that's like, they they had to commit to the run. He had to. Uh, Gavin Sawchuk actually carried the ball one more time in the first half than he did in the second half. By my math, and again, like I said, I had to go back through and individually, uh, and I was missing a carry somewhere. But Wait. I – Run that by me. He carried one more time in the first half than the second. Yeah. And so everyone that's like, oh, he had to commit to the run. They had to. Well, they they, they ran the ball, Gavin Sawchuk at least did, one more time, had one more rush attempt in the first half than he did in the second half. Right. Now, they didn't sustain those first couple of drives. Seven for 30 yards in the first half, six for 79 in the second half. Now, they, they had 14 carries in the final stats. Bro, I poured over the play-by-play like Charlie in the basement of the mailroom. <laughs> yes. Trying to find that 14th carry. I couldn't find it anywhere. I mean, I'm not. I'm going to go back and watch the game. I'm going to chart the damn game to find this other carry. But six carries, 79 yards, 13 yards per carry in the second half. I mean, was that just – did Jeff Levy get better at calling plays in the second half? Like, what changed? So, I just – I feel like if you're coming in here today complaining about the play calling, then you're always going to be mad at Jeff Levy. And there's nothing he can do to change your mind. Oh, they ran a jet sweep. It was there. It was there. Um, they, they – I just – I thought it was – Given the situation, given what they were in, I thought it was a well-called game. All right, you want to go to the phones? Let's do just that. All right, Riverwind Casino jackpot line. Let's go, 405-329-9000. Hold on, Dynamite Dam. True Sooner has been hanging in there. What's going on, True? How are you? What's going on, man? Good to hear your voice. Good to hear your voice. How was the weekend? Hey, well, I, first of all, let's let's sign the Raiders coach up. Let's not let him get away like, I like the him. other guy. I'll tell you who I like uh, more. I like the general manager. Give Champ Kelly the job. Let him run this roster. Probably should have been the guy they hired in the first place. Yes, I'm incredibly over my skis with this right now, but I don't know if I've ever been happier with a five-and-six football team in my life. 
I mean, I was pretty happy when uh, I never can remember the, the, the Bachati. What was how do you pronounce Bachatia? Rich Bachatia. I was pretty happy when they won eight games in a row and made the playoffs, and then and then they fired him. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, okay. So you had a question last week. You wanted to know what Venables was talking about at his press conference when he said we have to get better at a certain position. certain position. We debated if, it a lot if, at dinner too on Friday yeah, night. If it's not any more glaring that it's the kicking game, this team could be very easily have the same record as they had last year because of the kicking game. They could be 6-5 and five right now. You think back to the UCF game, they left nine points and field goals out there. You think of the Texas game, they could have stretched that to a two-possession lead at one time. Didn't happen. And then you think about the uh, – uh, what, what, what was the other, the other win that was so close? Well, uh, this past oh, weekend. This weekend is what I'm thinking of. Um, you know, missing a 27-yard field goal. So, I mean – this team, could, this team is very close to being six and five right now because of the kicking game. Here, here is a, here is a note. And like I said, I sometimes need the stats and the analytics explained to me, like I'm in third grade. But Keegan Renault just tweeted that Oklahoma's special teams rating is minus one point four points per game, a hundred and sixth <laughs> in the country. And oh as my Ke- goodness, as Keegan explains it. Oklahoma is losing a point to a point and a half per game before the ball is even kicked off because of its special teams. So they, they, they I know they recruited a kicker, right? They got a guy coming in. Yeah. Um, I mean, is there anybody can Josh kick? I mean, is there anybody <laughs> in the student? Is there anybody in the student section that can kick? I mean, maybe it's time for a tryout. Maybe well, they, it's just too late. They got Gavin Marshall, uh, whom they I, I think they like a lot, but he. It appears to me he hasn't been healthy. So, I mean, we're yep. we're going into the final game, so it's, it's... – go, Yeah. <laughs> go, go get the kicking for chicken guy because uh, that guy made it. So, Did he? Okay. Yeah. Right. We'll see you, guys. See you, man. There is um, – there is – we met Liam Evans last week at the last home game. And uh, I met Liam's dad, who listens. So, shouts out, man. I, first of all, just I want to be honest. Travis Davidson, who, by the way, Travis Davis is truly the Dos Equis guy, is he not? Yeah, how is he everywhere? Bro, he's at the everywhere. Game? I mean, my gosh, I am so envious of this man. He's, he's on the field at the end of the game. He's single. He's rich. He's everywhere. But Travis Davidson came up to this was last week, and Liam was being interviewed by um, Parker, and he grabbed me. He's like, this guy is going to be special. And I remember I looked at him, and I thought, I, like, I didn't know what position he played. And I looked at him like, oh, my gosh. What position does he play? Because I don't I don't think this guy's built to be a D end in, in the SEC. And I think Travis like, no no bro, he's a kicker. I'm like, oh, oh, oh big exhale on that one. But there is a lot of excitement about Liam Evans. He is a lifelong Sooner fan. Um uh, yeah, he's five eight one sixty, Josh. <laughs> but Apparently has a massive leg. Yeah, the the kid from Moore. The kid from Moore. 
That's yeah, nice. he, he he's going to be a really good one, no doubt. But, yeah, the the kicking game, I think you might be on to something, True. I think it might be the kicking game. Jay, uh, Jay Nunez, by the way, for those asking, hey, who's in charge of special teams? He is your senior special teams analyst. And, and, and uh, I should say, we, we should also add, we should also add, Josh, there is a lot of shared responsibilities. Like DeMarco Murray's in charge of punt returns. Uh, Brandon Hall's in charge of kick coverage. There's someone's in charge of kickoff returns. So I don't – this is – to me, this is this is an individual issue. Because Jay's not a game day guy. That's he can't right. be, right? He can't be. So, can't so they've, be. Split there, the, he, yeah. they've split the duties up. He can't be an on-field game day guy. Well, he's down there. But I, I don't necessarily know what exactly he is allowed and not allowed to do. How's that? It's kind of the best way to put it. And by the way, he's a rock star. So it they're going to get it figured out. But I do think that this is now that situation to where obviously the dude that could replace um, – why did I just blank on our kicker's Is he going to be back? Why did I just blank on our kicker's name? Zach um, – Schmidt. Schmidt, thank you. I don't know, Josh. I, don't I mean, because let's let's just call it what it is. Special teams that we were talking about it—they're giving up a point and a half a game, a point and a half a game. before the game kicks off. So, and that's not just Zach Schmidt missing field goals. There's that's been right. All the way plenty around. of other uh, special teams uh, gaffes, unfortunately. <laughs> By the way, this is funny. Uh, I know I hold my breath when Gavin Freeman goes to catch the ball anymore. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. had like two drops, and so now all of a sudden, it's like, and and had the struggles against Cincinnati. Now it's like, oh my gosh. Well, and it doesn't feel like they make a bunch of explosives there either. So, yeah. All right, uh, Dynamite Dan, I know we're up against it, but I appreciate you hanging in there. What's going on, Dan? Guys, uh, hey, guys, uh, Chris and Josh, uh, you guys do a great job. Best of the Metroplex. Uh, love the show. Um, and uh, thanks for having my call today. Uh, fellas, uh, you know, if we were sitting here uh, um, at the start of the year, if – you know, going in the last game of the year um, to be nine and two, I, I think uh, our fan base uh, should be and uh, it, it would be happy about that. Uh, there's obviously noticeable improvement across the board. Um, I, I, I know we all want to be eleven and zero right now, but you look uh, uh, coming up on this weekend. Uh, we're coming up on the two year anniversary of uh, really uh, this program being uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, on thin ice there for a handful of days and coach Venables, uh, and his staff, uh, have really stabilized things recruiting really, really well. Um, and, uh, I, I don't get too overly concerned about the play on the road the last couple of years. I, I have, uh, you know, you think, uh, the opponents were playing on the road. Um, they, they, they have so much, uh, extra energy, enthusiasm, um, playing against us for the final time we're going on, these uh, trips where I, I think we're going to benefit next year when we're going on the road um, playing these opponents for the first time uh, with, with a little bit more of an edge. Dynamite Dan, I like it. Thanks for the phone call. Down, It sounds like he's in Dallas, too, if he's staying in the Metroplex. Though I would, thanks for the call, Dan. Though I would have to say, Josh Helmer, that'd be tough. Um, I mean, that's Corby Davidson country. So thanks for the phone call. See, that's why I maybe disagree with Dan a little bit. What about? Just, you know, the, I have concerns about the road next year. I want to I wanna see this. I wish I could have seen this team 
be a li- little bit more consistent on the road? Well, th- this was your final moment, right? And now the lasting taste, no matter what, is they were not a good road team. And, oh, by the way, uh, you know, I'm not breaking any news to you here. It's going to be a lot harder on the road now going forward. Not necessarily Missouri, though. That's an improved program. But are you kidding me? Death Valley and... Well, Auburn is historically tough. Ole Miss is a good program right now. So, yeah, it's 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 not encouraging in that respect at all. Let's get a break. It's uh, – oh, sorry, late. It's 1040. It's Plank Show. Josh is out at Cavens. We'll hit some more of your texts next. And, by the way, um, no upset, uh, no update on Dylan Gabriel. I'm Coach seemed incredibly optimistic after the game. I'll tell you what I saw seeing DG afterwards next right here on The Ref. Back with you. It is the Plank Show here hanging out at Cavens Group. Gary Cavens, he'll be along in just a moment. Plank, uh, he he just walked in the door, and here he strides in triumphantly into the conference room here. We say good morning and welcome. Happy Thanksgiving week. Gary, how are you? I'm doing great. Happy Thanksgiving week. We uh, we got to show up a couple of days early this week, so do you have uh, – I know, obviously, you're – you're busy, and uh, I, I don't know. I'll let you tell me. Do you do you get to enjoy Thanksgiving? You know, it, I'm at that <laughs> – you could hear him laughing in the other office. Uh, you, you get to that point where, you know, ever since last Christmas, I don't think uh, the holidays have ever been the same for us around here. Uh, last Christmas we had the big freeze, and everybody was working Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, all through the week, and um, we've got several big um, – uh, mold projects going on, uh, two very sizable mold projects going on right now. And so we'll see how today folds. So some of us may be working Thanksgiving. Some of us may not. We'll see. Hey, hey Gary, speaking of some of those major mold bi- uh, jobs that you have going on, some of them are relatively new buildings. So you've started with, uh, I don't want to say a new service, but just really investigating how you can make sure that there's mold-free construction because – you know, there can be the slightest water intrusion that ends up costing you a lot of money, even in the newest of buildings. A hundred percent, Chris. I mean, this is something that we're seeing um, as this industry continues to develop, and it's always changing. I, I have several trainers that I work with, some from Georgia, some from New Jersey, some of them um, from Philadelphia. And, you know, as, as we're learning and developing, the science behind this is always changing. And the new construction mold inspections are critical on new builds, in my opinion, based on what I've seen recently. Um, we're talking about $40 million buildings with mold issues. We're talking about $15 million buildings with mold issues. Some of these buildings are five years old. Some of these buildings are one year old. I mean, it's just... You know, I, we kind of, the joke is with my friends, they're, they're like, they just don't build buildings like they used to. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the thing is, is that, you know, our environment's changing. The climate's changing a little bit. We're not going to get into all that hoity-toity stuff. <laughs> yeah, careful. Yeah, but, yeah, I'd be careful there. But <laughs> things are changing, and uh, the building materials have changed, and the way people do things have changed. And, um, you know, we're just seeing a, a, a high what we're seeing a lot of is water intrusion into new buildings that's causing mold issues because uh, plain and simple. And we're not seeing these aren't just small mold issues. These are uh, major, major mold issues. Um, and so what we're, we've started a new service and what that service is, it's come in 
inspect it before they close up the walls and make sure there's no mold growing in it. Because if you have a wood building like apartment complexes or retirement homes or a new home build that's built out of wood, you know, that lumber sits out there, gets rained on. Then you frame it, it gets rained on. And then finally you get the windows and the doors in and you get the roof on and all that kind of stuff. And then it's, you know, it's finally dried in. But up to that point, the environment's been able to allow moisture in and potential mold to grow. So the last thing you want to do is to seal it in your walls as a ticking time bomb to go off because it will go off. It's a matter of time. But I can promise you it will go off, and we've seen some big ones go off lately. Um, and it's just, you know, it's, it's important to understand that this is health and safety of your family that you're looking out for, your employees, your tenants, um, um, and your reputation too, um, you know, if you're a landlord or a building owner or something like that. And so it needs to be handled correctly and it needs to be handled right. Um, and so, you know, that's why we uh, have a new training and development center upstairs here. Uh, we're training our guys and we've uh, invested a lot of time and energy into that. Well, Gary, the importance of finding the mold early, I mean, from from a financial standpoint, from just a benefit standpoint, look, uh, nobody wants that situation, but to find it early, how and why is that so important? You're talking thousands upon thousands of dollars to, to find it on the front end. Uh, you're talking, you know, uh, a very reasonable price to, to deal with it on the front end, and you're talking about an astronomical price on the back end. Um, and like I said, you're talking about your safety and health and safety of your family, your employees, and your tenants, too. So, you know, finding on the front end, dealing with it on the front end, not only does it save you money, it you know, you don't have to worry about health issues. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a no-brainer when it comes, you know, if you're building a new home, before they put up that sheetrock and insulation, uh, you need to call us and have us come in and do uh, a mold-free investigation uh, and make sure that the walls aren't, um, you know, uh, they don't have issues before they before they put it in there. You uh, probably see a little bit of everything at all times, but sp- spring season we know okay water intrusion. That's you really got to be on the the lookout during the spring spring season. But what what are some of the common things that folks call you for for disaster response this time of year? Which oh by the way, as we always say. 405-573-3048. Just plug it in because you never know when emergency is going to arrive, but uh, you want to be prepared for it. What are some of the, the common issues that are popping up this time of the year? Right now we're still seeing a high volume of mold. Um, and then as we get into the freezing temperatures and the colder weather here, you know, um, uh, the end of this month into December, January, February, we'll start seeing a lot more pipe breaks and water flooding issues so we're, we're headed into water season now so just be uh be alert everyone be vigilant out there and again plug in the phone number anything else gary that you, you wanted to touch on before we get out of here yes we're also headed into fire season because thanksgiving is one of the biggest fire days thanksgiving is yeah well everybody likes to fry turkeys <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> get so, ready <laughs> yeah they no seriously though uh but there's a lot of people cooking a lot of stuff like that and so thanksgiving is a heavy fire day for um our industry so we see a lot of calls out on thanksgiving and the day after thanksgiving so again if that situation arises or it's nearby you 405-573-3048 gary a, a very happy thanksgiving to you and yours you. I, I hope that you and the staff get to uh, I, you know we, we we don't want really emergencies 
ever. But uh, let's hope you can enjoy plenty of uh, Thanksgiving, the holidays this year. A hundred percent. But if there's an emergency, we're here, and somebody's going to answer the phone 24-7, 365. That's what we're here for, to help everybody out there. That is the mission statement. Yes, hundred percent. Gary, uh, thank you so much, and uh, have a wonderful rest of your morning and thank afternoon. You so much. All right. Gary Cavins, everybody. Plank, uh, who who do you have in the way of Coach's Corner today? I don't know if you've shared that with us yet. Joe John Finley, Jay Valai. We got to hustle because that's coming up in about 40 minutes from now. So we'll get a break, and we'll come back, hit your text, and the top five takeaways from this week and next right here on The Ref. All right, listen, I, we got two minutes here before the top, so I'll, we got to be quick. If you're on hold, please hang in there. I'll start the 11 o'clock hour with you. And then, Josh, we got to get quick because at 11.30 is the Brent Venables press conference. So technically, I'm not bailing on you and Connor early today, kind of, right? Basically, yeah. I mean, you're pretty much here the duration. Um, it, it, real quick, I, it, I didn't really follow up on this earlier, but from everything that was talked about after the game, Dylan Gabriel, it doesn't seem to be uh, a severe concussion, right? And, and I don't, I'm not going to pretend. Maybe when the season's over, I can go get learned up from. Dr. Bame, the medic for the Plank Platoon, or our Doc McGinnis, or whoever might have some time for me. I don't know if there's varying de- de- degrees. Like, oh, it's a grade two concussion. Like, I'm sure there is, right? I, I just don't know. I know there is. I just don't know how they're graded. But it seemed to me that Dylan was in good spirits afterwards. He was talking to people. He wasn't wearing the sunglasses like with the – hood over his head or anything like to avoid light or or what seems to be triggering to concussion issues so to me that's all good news but i also don't know with the history and having the bad concussion last year what that means going forward so we'll we'll keep our fingers crossed but so far from everything we've heard even on a short week looks like it's good news from dylan gabriel we'll hit your calls next and our five takeaways from provo right here on the route all right, it's the Plank Show on a Monday. Josh Helmers in Cavens Emergency Response. How about that? Fire calls are unfortunately very common at Thanksgiving because people try to fry turkeys. I didn't know that. I did not have that on the bingo card either, but 405-573-3048. Plug it in just in case. I, I would also add, if you are planning on frying a turkey, my experience, let the turkey completely thaw. Do not try to put a frozen turkey into that <laughs> vat of boiling grease or the damn thing will explode. That's my advice. Not like I know from experience, but no, I watched a lot no, of videos no. on it. <laughs> All right, let's get some calls in here before we get our top five takeaways. We got Brent Venables at the bottom of this hour. So Sean has been patient. Always love Sean's perspective. What's going on, man? Welcome to the show. Well, stellar advice and the correct advice on that turkey and uh, may have some experience, but we're not going to talk about that. Uh, I will give OU and OU Marketing a pat on the back because they have done an excellent job of, for a segment of OU fans, lowering expectations and creating an excuse-making machine. Well, first of all, with the exception of Nashville, nowhere you're going to go isn't going to outshine Lawrence, Kansas, and Stillwater, Oklahoma, <laughs> in road-tough games. Please. And second, I'm so tired of hearing, well, if you'd have told me we were 9-2, and two, 
Well, obviously. But again, dude, guys and gals, we're going to wear that loss to OSU for the rest of our lives. So get used to that and hearing about it all the time. You can have optimism toward the future and be okay with the season as it is and still be upset because you're never going to have an opportunity this manageable again. This is Oklahoma. Golly, I'm so tired of that and the, well, last year we'd have lost this game. Well, you shouldn't have been either. But anyway – Play devil's advocate with you real quick on something you mentioned about Jeff. Mm-hmm. So, because I'm going to tell you, I was writing, I was yelling real hard for Bowen to get in, so I, so he wouldn't get stopped at the three, and I'd get lead again. <laughs> but if you recall, the series where we made the field goal right before half, uh-huh. you throw the least percentage successful play in football on first down, the fade route. Then you run the play in that grass, on that turf, and Gabriel gets hurt. We didn't know it at the time. That play got hurt on, apparently. Short side. And then and then you're forced to throw an Anderson kind of short summer ball. I think he should have caught that. But at no point did you did the man up, did you try to man up and pound the ball in. And then in the second half, on the on the winner, that's just a great run by Sawchuck. Yep. And the play that put it away lets me know that Arnold at least paid attention in the Oklahoma State and Kansas games because if I'm to believe what I'm told, he audibled into a play that was past the first down marker and one that could win you the game. So I, I'm i not upset with Levy's play calling. I think he did a fine job. But, I mean, even mentioning the carries, we had pretty limited possessions in the second half. Mm-hmm. You didn't have a chance to get many yep. carries. Yep, Absolutely. So, Anyway, I digress, but uh, a win is a win is a win. I will take it. As your owner once said, just win, Just baby. win, baby. Sean, thanks That's for the call. But, no, go ahead. Bro, appreciate it. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I like Sean because he, he's here to remind everyone that we're by God, Oklahoma. Or by gosh, excuse me. I'm working. I'm working. I'm working. I'm sorry. Uh, we're Oklahoma. And they shouldn't have been six and seven last year. And it shouldn't be a situation where they lost those games. And there's still some anger about the fact that for the rest of our lives, Oklahoma State's going to be able to say, we beat you in the last bedlam. So, unless they play for the Big 12 championship, which at least from the tiebreakers I've seen, I don't even know if that's a possibility anymore, is it? The the Big 12, I, I know we don't want to totally wade into these Please waters, don't. but, dude, what are they doing? I, it's... The, the scenarios they put out don't even make sense. I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> like, they left it so ambiguous just uh, seemingly to let you and I and Texas and Oklahoma fans feel like, oh, they're totally going to pull the rug up from underneath us if they can, right? I mean, it's – I don't know. This, this whole thing from the Big 12 just looks so bad. Sean's got a point to a certain extent, right? You should have that, and and I've I've always appreciated that about him. It's you got to remember who we are. One of my favorite all time sports radio moments, Josh, was when um, Evil Knievel was being interviewed by Jim Rome. I think only Potter and Dees will remember this, and Pop if he's listening. But Jim Rome asked Evil Knievel. He goes, Evil, what made you think you could do this? What made you believe that you could jump over? The Grand Canyon. What made you think that? 
<laughs> and Evil Knievel said, I mean, without even skipping a beat, you know who the hell I am? And that's kind of where I am every now and then whenever I do. Because I, I, I'm very guilty of being in the group of, man, think about where this was last year. And think about where this could have been and how much further south it could have gone. But then, I mean, do you know how, who the hell we are? We're Oklahoma. So I'm, I'm guilty of probably triggering Sean with some of that. But I'll add, Josh, there, there's a lot to be said about just how this team has been better. Has been better in a majority of their close game situations. They're not panicking and losing. Their, they're not having to score a touchdown late to make it look like a one-score game. How's that? For some of you out there. All right, um, real quick, Benny. Benny, thanks for your patience. Welcome Gentlemen, to the show. What's going morning. on? Good morning. I've got a question for Chris and one for Josh. Chris, my question, I've been reading a little bit of uh, controversial tackles. Can oh, you yeah. explain to me what a hip drop tackle is? Yeah, they, uh, they basically put their hip into them and pull them down. That's that's essentially it. I mean, it's um, it, I, I, it's a good question to go a little bit more in-depth with Teddy, um, and honestly, it's the NFL has mm-hmm. been has been trying to do a better job and in in, in um, what's the best way to look at policing it, but it's basically uh, the description is this: it's a tackle in which a defender encircles his opponent, then drops his weight down to bring him to the ground. So encircle, oh, okay. get him on his hip. And then just use your weight to fall down on him. Right, exactly. I guess that's how Andrews got his ankle. That's how Andrews got hurt. That's how Jordan Travis got hurt from Mm -hmm. Florida State. So, I don't know. I don't know what they uh, need to do about it, but it's it's still legal. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, One quick question for Josh. Josh, uh, three picks here. Uh, Carolina at at, uh, Titans, Bills at Eagles. Bears at Panther. I mean, Bears at Vikings. Which two of the three you like the best? Okay, this is for next week. You have advanced Correct. again. Correct. How about Ooh, that? Rolling right along. Okay, let's see here. It was uh, Carolina at Tennessee. Correct. Buffalo at the Eagles. Bears okay. at the Vikings. I think I like Vikings over the Bears best too. on Monday night. Mm-hmm. Plank, what do you think? <laughs> I, I I think I would take Tennessee over Carolina. Gosh, so we're split. Okay, there you go. <laughs> but see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, Benny. Tennessee is terrible, but Carolina's worse. It's worse, exactly. Right? Yeah. And 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 the Bears, the way they played for like three and a half quarters against the Lions, kind of scares me from yesterday. I mean, that was a historic comeback for the Lions mm-hmm. yesterday, right? Exactly. We, we both agree on this. Don't touch the Bills-Eagles game. Yeah, correct? I steer okay. clear of that one. Yeah, don't yeah. use that one. And, yeah, that uh, uh, Bears-Vikings, sooner or later, Jefferson's got to be back in that lineup. Hopefully it'll be this week. Yeah, he keeps, they keep delaying that, don't they? Mm-hmm. Well, congratulations on staying on the mountain, Benny. Thanks for the call. Somehow, it's, I don't know how. I just managed to be lucky enough. Thanks <laughs> to Josh reading the things to me. <laughs> hey, guys, thank you for the ex- explanation of that hip drop tackle. I've been reading a little bit, and it's been kind of controversial. And I was, and they try, sound like they're trying to get, get that out of the NFL or out. Do they do that in college, too? 
Oh, yeah, no, no, that, exactly. They do. I mean, okay. that's what, again, that's what got Jordan Travis hurt this weekend. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. All right, man, that thanks for the call. That, is that maybe why Washington moved up to number four and, and FSU went to five? Oh, did they, yeah, probably so, probably so. All right, Benny, thanks for the call, buddy. I appreciate it. Uh, I don't get too caught up in the AP and the coaches' poll rankings at this time of the year. Um, but in the AP poll, Washington jumped to four, but Florida State stayed at four in the coaches' poll. So the AP that's just moved, brutal, right? Oh gosh, Florida. I State. hate that. That's that's so uh, so disappointing for. And look, we're not Florida State fans here, but man, you want to see uh, the best teams have a chance to be the best teams, and for them to lose Jordan Travis just stinks for football fans. It's the worst. It's the worst. All right. Um, but let, let me hustle through these real quick, okay? I know we're we're 13 past the hour. We got a break before BV. But, Connor, let's go ahead and hit the uh, top five takeaways, and I'll be really quick with them from OUBYU this weekend. Oklahoma wins at 31-24. We've been talking about it all day long. Great text messages. But uh, here we go, the top five takeaways from Saturday. It's time for the top five stories of the day. Brought to you by Newcastle Casino. Newcastle Casino, where real gamers play. Let's go, man. Uh, I-44, exit 107, newcastlecasino.com. Uh, get, get signed up today. Become a part of their rewards program, and you can make money. Big story number five, or big takeaway number five. Number five. Oh. I thought Jackson Arnold was serviceable. And I thought he made the big play when they needed to. Um, carried the ball eight times for 35 yards, five completions uh, for 33 yards, and probably one of the greatest one-ifs if he hits that pass to Nick Anderson. But to me, Josh, he made the biggest play of the game when it needed to be made, and that said a lot to me about the freshman on that pass to Jalil Farouk. Agreed. And to sit there and act like it was the, the greatest – uh, first, second half of all time? No, it was not. But uh, <laughs> he he did he did show some positive signs and uh, and made the big throw that he needed to make late. Yeah, he he showed some moxie. And I I was listening I was listening to Gabe and Teddy talk about this because Sean brought it up. It wasn't an audible. It was a check. So it's just it's not like he went in and went rogue and changed the play. So that's just one point of information. All right, big takeaway number four. Oh, number four. Oh. What's that? He changed the route. It was always a pass. There you go. Thanks, Gabe. That's what happens when we have a football guy. So it's not like he audible to a pass. He changed the route. Thank you, Gabe. And um, you know what? Mission accomplished. Job well done. Hey, um, number four, the Oklahoma scoring drive in the first half. I, uh, I talked about this on the broadcast. Every receiver – made a big play and was involved in some way, shape, or form. Drake Stoops, obviously. Um, Jalil Farouk had a big catch. Nick Anderson drawing a P.I. and had the touchdown catch. The biggest yardage day for Jaden Gibson. I just, to me, not just on that drive, but throughout the game when called upon, sure, we had drops. There, there were drops. And you were thin at tight end because Blake Smith wasn't there. Kate McIntyre didn't play. Um, I, and we're, we're talking to Joe John Finley. I mean, you saw Josh Fanuel out there <laughs> even, and you hadn't seen him much this season. So they're really, really thin at tight end. But I thought, Josh, despite a couple of drops, when called upon, especially early, I thought the receivers were really good for Oklahoma. 
Absolutely. Made some big-time plays. And uh, as we discussed a moment ago, there was uh, maybe one or two that were out there to be had as well. All right. Number three. Number three. (laughs) Um, Defense struggled. Um, I don't – I'm not going to be the smartest guy to tell you why it was. Was it BYU did something we weren't expecting? Was it the preparation was more for potentially seeing the uh, the Slovis kid, Keaton Slovis at quarterback? I, I don't know. But Oklahoma really, really struggled with its run fits. And, Josh, you brought this up earlier, and it's a good point. It's been something that, unfortunately, we've seen – on the road especially, but we've just seen as a struggle for them as we've headed down the home stretch here in conference play. I know. It's uh, disappointing because early this season, really it was one of the things this team was best at was was stopping the run, and uh, they were nationally good, though, of course, uh, probably not going to put too much stock into the non-conference portion, but they, they were good uh, right at Cincinnati, and they were good versus Texas, but here of late, they've, they've obviously gone a little bit the other direction, which I tend to think says more about the defensive line than the linebackers, but it is, of course, a collective effort. And and I would, um, in that, hey, the defense struggled, I have the but. They made the two biggest plays of the game. The 100-yard interception return by Billy Bowman and then the strip sack by Danny Stutzman, which was the first sack since the fourth quarter against UCF. So I, and, and they held BYU to 18 fourth quarter yards after 18. being after being on the field for 10 minutes and 9 seconds of the 15 minute third quarter on an absolutely trash field. So feel how and and they're every right to be frustrated, man. Every right to be frustrated. But to me, I, I've had a, I've had a hard time trying to kind of quantify it. And, and make sense of it, but the defense struggled. But in the same vein, made, made two of the biggest plays of the day. It's tough. <laughs> All right, quickly, number two. Number two. Josh, how good was Gavin Sawchuck in the second half of that game? When they how good has he been uh, for, for the last month of the season? He's been so good. So, like I said, I dug into the numbers a little bit. Uh, seven carries for 30 yards in the first half. Uh, and I know these numbers don't add up because there's a 14th carry in there that I promise you I cannot find anywhere. But I had six carries for 79 yards in the second half, 13 yards per carry in the second half. And like Sean said, some amazing moves. You know, I've I've been of the opinion that when Brent Venable said, hey, there is a position that we we really need to improve, there's a part of me, a position group, I think he said, there's a part of me that had been buying into the running back conversation, right? It just hasn't. I mean, Javante Barnes wasn't even there on Saturday, I don't think. I, I don't remember seeing him on the field. Um, and it it, it might have just been a, a miss on my part, but I. And when was the last time Marcus Major stepped on the field? So those were the guys that were 1-2 on the depth chart to start the season. Um, and Tawi was up there too. But Tawi Walker, I mean, when he got his opportunities, I thought he looked better. I thought he looked better, right? Looked a little bit healthier. But Gavin Sawcheck has become that dude. And now three straight games over 100 yards. Uh, it it shows you what him being healthy and what him having some time, what he's capable of. It increases my excitement for him next year. But, Josh, I want to see him finish strong this weekend against TCU. Yeah, it's uh, it's been fun to watch him look like the running back that we thought we were going to see. 
this season the last month or so. Where's TCU? I don't think TCU has the best run defense in the country. Um, but you, you should have an opportunity against that D-line to have some success against old Texas Christian University running the football this weekend. So to me, big takeaway, it's really, really good. You know, DeMarco Murray talked about it in the preseason, and we've been waiting for it all season, to have someone just take control of that job. And that's exactly that's exactly what he's done. TCU 65th in the country, giving up 150 yards per game. So maybe Is anybody good at stopping the run in the Big 12? I don't know. Maybe I thought Iowa State was. K-State. Texas seemed to have some success with it, which gets us to big story number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. So to add to just win, baby, I'll throw this, Josh. One of the coolest trips I've ever been on. Maybe the most fun I've ever had on a trip. Remember how I was talking about I wouldn't eat that ice cream or those brownies? They came packaged. They came packaged. So that's safe. That was good. Um, so you did eat that ice I, cream. No, I didn't get it. I didn't get the ice cream. I was too busy chasing a story with a with an injured quarterback. <laughs> or or actually, as somebody told me on, in my in my Twitter mentions, I was too busy watching the halftime show to get everyone caught up. Listen, whenever you have a guy that's dressed up like Bowser and he's singing, I've never been to a halftime show where a band is playing and suddenly someone starts singing. I'm not going to lie, Josh. I was shook. But. I don't know why, I don't know how, but even though it wasn't full capacity, it was as loud as any place I've been. And I was, um, <laughs> Gabe and I were trying to figure it out. Um, I was, um, oh gosh, why can't? Why am I blanking on the the recruiting guru guy for him? This big on social media, we were we were wondering, is it the mountains? You know, could it be like the the, the but it was, it was loud. I mean. I get it. There's some smarmy guy on, on the text line that's like, well, it's going to be louder here and there. You're probably right, but, man, I don't know. It was just a really cool environment. And, you know, we were joking about, can you imagine you're at the OU Club of Utah, right? Utah, hey, hundreds of miles from, from Oklahoma. You never think you're going to get an opportunity to see the Sooners in your home state, and then, boom, all of a sudden, Oklahoma football's playing BYU. Sooner fans showed out. It was a great time. It was a party. And I just – it's one of those trips now where you're like, oh, man, I wouldn't mind doing that again. But one and done, right? One, W-O-N, and done. That's it. It was really cool. Those are my five takeaways. Josh and Connor will add theirs plus some texts. Uh, Josh will be wrapped uh, – from Cavens, Cavens Group today. Final segment for me. I'm going to go to Coach's Corner. We're going to get Brent Venables coming up here in seven minutes right here on The Ref.